Is this thing on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Do you think they are ready to change the status quo? It's one thing to get them listening, but now let's get them to act. You're now about to witness the strength of nursing knowledge. Hi, and welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered and unapologetic podcast which discusses health and healthcare. My name is Amy. My name is Sarah. And we are your hosts. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, Google, Spotify, iTunes, or our YouTube page. Please rate and review us. Make sure you get our book, The Wisdom of Nurses, coming April 2nd, 2024. There's no better gift than giving the wisdom of nurses to nurses during nursing week. Well, happy new year to you all. I cannot believe that we are in season five. And I think before we even get started, I think it's probably good that we reintroduce ourselves. Sure. If you guys are just tuning in for the first time, my name is Sarah. My name is Amy. Um, We are the Gritty Nurse and we are both experienced nurses. We've been nursing for a long time. We used to work together. That's actually how we knew each other. We worked together in two different jobs. And uh, we started the podcast because of frustrations we had within the workplace. And in a nutshell, that kind of grew over the last four years. And uh, we both have backgrounds in maternal child health, um, worked in a number of roles. Um, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but we also have a book coming out right here. So The Wisdom of Nurses, which is dropping April 2nd, 2024 with HarperCollins. Um, It's really a nice collection of stories and a behind the scenes look of what it is to be a nurse. Yes. And I think that, you know, um, some things that Sarah left off, because she's maybe being modest, <laughs> is, you know, we, we're, we're considered actually thought leaders within, within our field. And also we're speakers, we're advocates, we've done so much media. And I think that it's important that nurses are seen in that light, that we're seen in places that we're not expected to be in. So whether it's media, politics, I think it's just, we wanted to make that mark and want to make other people feel that they could be in this space too. So Really looking forward to seeing how season five shapes up. I think we have a lot of great information coming to you. And again, we're, it's the new year. So we've got to talk about like New Year's resolutions and things like that. So um, I'm going to ask you, did you make any resolutions this year? I actually don't believe in New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so I didn't make any. I know a lot of people do. And I, and I think it's important to set goals. I just don't like to make goals for the sake of making goals. So yeah. um, I actually had read yesterday that na- um, there's something called National Quitting Resolution Day, okay. which occurs on January 17th every year. So 17 days into the year, like <laughs> half of people are already like quitting on their resolutions. Um, so Amy, do you have any resolutions? You know, I'll be honest. I'm not a big person to make resolutions, but I think just over the last year, (laughs) I've been really thinking about my health and I kind of mentioned it to you just kind of with all of these various different things that I've seen kind of happening within my own family. I've kind of made it a point that I think it's really important that I take care of my hypertension. Yes. So, um, I, I kind of messed around with it for a little bit. We know that they say hypertension is a silent killer. And I hope we'll talk a little bit more about disease processes and things like that. But, um, I kind of took it on myself as when I'm pregnant and, uh, I have essential hypertension and my mom had a stroke and my aunt died of a stroke. So, uh, I think it's more than enough time for me to say, I got to take this shit seriously. So I'm really making sure that I'm taking my blood pressure medications on time. I'm actually now monitoring my blood pressure like 
actively with an app and I am seeing an internal medicine specialist because this shit's got to go. <laughs> like I can't, I gotta, yeah. I want to be here for the future for my kids and for my family. And I can't do it while if I'm not taking care of myself. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd say it's a resolution. I just think it's like a, it's about fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do something <laughs> like, oh, it ain't looking really great. And something that I've been thinking about for a while, which is not a formal New Year's resolution, is I think it's really important to set boundaries in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. as nurses, as women, as parents, we often don't have boundaries. And then we feel frustrated when people walk all over us. So that's something I really feel strongly about. And a reason that we started this podcast is really talking about advocacy and, you know, what your rights are, what can, you can do when you're in difficult situations. And I really feel like we need to put ourselves first. And it doesn't mean that you're being selfish by putting yourself first. You're actually putting yourself in a situation where you can be a better friend, a better caregiver, a better parent for all those around you. So um, I've been reading a book about this too. I find it super useful. It has all these scripts if you're someone who is just not used to setting boundaries and how to do this in a respectful manner um, with people around you. I think that's actually a very excellent and lofty goal because one of the things I was looking at when I was looking at resolutions, we'll kind of get into the the episode, was people were talking about, you know, if there's all these like random resolutions that people pick and we'll talk about what the top ones are and kind of get into the episode, which is going to be talking about Ozempic, um, where people are saying, you know, if you want to choose a resolution, choose something that might be something one that's something that's attainable but something that you can measure within your own life not necessarily something about physical but maybe something mental mm-hmm. but let's get into the episode because i know that's what you're listening for mm-hmm. so taken from forbes health 2024 new year's resolution statistics 20 for 2024 overall 48 percent of people say that improving their fitness is a top priority in 2024 while 36% cite improved mental health as a top resolution. But then again, it always boils back to 55% of people saying physical and mental health are one of equal importance. But the next thing that's high in the resolution area is fitness. Well, what does that actually mean? So they talk about improved men- improve physical fitness, particularly in the area of improved diet and weight loss. But this whole trend of Ozempic and the topic of Ozempic, I think it's important that one, we as healthcare providers kind of take this conversation and this debate over. I am so sick of hearing celebrities coming out and talking about this stuff when it's just like you have probably less education than a high school. (laughs) I'm taking this from a, a little clip I saw, but it's just like, you know. Why are we taking advice from people, one, who might be pushing and promoting something, and two, have more than enough money to fix every fucking thing Mm -hmm. that might go wrong in their body if they take something like this? Mm -hmm. We need to start taking the information and expertise from people who are in the healthcare field. So one, I'm just really sick of people talking about medicines or improving their bodies when they really don't have the expertise to do so. And I think it's about time that we start taking those conversations over. Okay, yes. So let's break this down. What exactly is Ozempic and why is it getting so much attention? So if we go back to when it was first developed, it was actually developed as a medication to treat type 2 diabetes. 
Um, it belongs to a class of drugs, um, which is similar to glucagon. Um, I don't want to go into all the weeds, but basically um, Ozempic can be an injectable. So you, you get it by injection or it can be by pill or it can be, um, you know, it goes under different names. So either Rebelsis for the pill or Ozempic for the injection, or it can be called Wagovi. And basically it stimulates insulin release and reduces glucose production. Um, but what happened was it started to become used for off-label purposes, meaning it was being prescribed for things other than diabetes. And what they found was that it could actually influence weight loss, right? which is where everything kind of exploded. Yes. Where the celebrities are like, oh my gosh, I've been using this. AKA Elon Musk <laughs> <laughs> tweeted about this. Anyways, I'm just like, I'm just up, not saying anything. Yeah. But, but I think the other part of the important conversation of understanding what it is, is also thinking about those social conversations that we've been seeing over the past probably more well more than over years but just the fact that there's a huge conversation about women's bodies and I find it so disgusting when I see a, like you know a woman might post a picture of herself online whether she bathing suit not maybe not even a bathing suit mm -hmm. and you get these men or other people feeling free to make comments about a woman's body and it, it just it just takes me aback to be like you know who do you think you are to kind of make these objective types of conversations? And, and again, it does always surround weight and how, mm -hmm. and you know, th that physical aspect and that physical appearance. And I kind of want to pull it back to even having greater conversations around something. Most people actually read this just today in relation to obesity. And I think for a society that's so fixed on body weight, most people don't actually understand how body weight actually works or even the condition of obesity works. So obesity was formally recognized as a disease um, actually just a decade ago, 2013. Really? Right? <laughs> Crazy, right? So this medical de designation was intended to distinguish excess weight as a complex a chronic uh, illness, not favoring on personal willpower. Because a lot of people think, Oh, if that person's obese, it's because they just they just can't needed help to themselves. eat more, like eat and less like, and exercise more, right? right? And it's right. like that's not the case. There, um, there remains to be lots of controversy around the term. Um, the term actually obesity, and this is the one that I found it today was it means to eat oneself fat, which is like fucking awful, right? Like even that we've medicalized the term. Still, the Latin term for obesity is like mm -hmm. kind of like not nice. But again, there is that misconception that obesity is caused mostly by a lack of exercise or that people with obesity pay no attention to their diet. And these views are held are deeply entrenched, but they're not necessarily true. And contrary to popular belief, obesity-related diseases like diabetes, hypertension are very complex, and they cannot always be cured by simply just, you know, moving more. You can't just exercise it away sometimes need medications you need support mm -hmm. and again thinking about the environment that we live in um the chemicals that we're exposed to the stress that we're under um and the way that our brains play it all these all things these are all things that are interconnecting factors that can create obesity within mm -hmm. a, an individual and again we have to move away from the idea that it's about willpower. It isn't. And I think this is where we can start having the conversation, not just as women, but as, you know, advocates within people within this healthcare space to say that, you know, we need to start thinking about things differently. And one of the things I found out about Ozempic is it's actually not considered, it's not, it's off-label used for obesity. They don't. Right. Like, right. for example, it's like, 
it's only covered for insurance companies for diabetes. Otherwise, everything else is off label. But if di- if obesity is a disease process, why are we not covering it for its use? I think we're hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Hopefully it will be covered at some point. I think that we're just in society, we're set up there's a lot of barriers, right, to achieving a healthy weight. And I think a huge one actually is stress. Yes, like, yes. Right? Like stress, not, not just like hormonally, but also stress makes you overeat. Stress makes you stress eat. Stress makes you not sleep well. We're not being set up for success. And with all the food companies, like just trying to get you to buy as much food as possible, they're not really concerned about our health. They're concerned about like whether you're going to spend money on their product or not. And I just even think about like back to my days of working shift work, like when your eating habits and your sleep habits are messed up, how are you going to find time to like exercise or eat properly when there's nothing like the hospital cafeteria is closed, you got to bring your own food. It's just, I feel like we're blaming the individual when it's like a systems problem. A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, I was, when I was doing research for this, I was kind of thinking like, I kind of had really negative views of Ozempic. I'm like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I found out that, you know, one, first and foremost, there's like a shortage of Ozempic. And I'm like, well, why? Well, there's a shortage because there's a rise of individuals saying, well, I want to use this as a quick fix for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that, you know, this is affecting people, millions of people who have diabetes type one and type two, who actually need access to the medication. They've gone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as far as actually rationing the drug once you know only giving like one month increments for folks because of the popularity of demand of this drug and it makes me think this is like an equity issue as well it's like okay Mm -hmm. well um one why would they not make it off like why is it off label for obesity well if you can get someone to pay a thousand dollars a month out of pocket the pharmaceutical companies are making a lot of good bucks off of it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like one piece. And then the other piece is just the fact that, you know, I think there's greed. There's always greed when it comes to pharmacies or Mm -hmm. or pharmaceuticals. And I think that, you know, instead of saying, hey, you know, uh, we can reduce folks who have issues with hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, um, they would rather make a lot of money off of it, which is, again, I'd say another health equity issue. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what scares me about the shortage is that when there's a shortage, then there's a black market. Right. Right. So if it pushes the black market. And so if people are obtaining this drug without the former or the formal education about, you know, what are the side effects? Should you be on it? Like that counseling piece, it kind of scares me because some of the side effects of Ozempic, which are serious, include changes in vision, pancreatitis, severely low blood sugar, kidney problems like such as kidney failure, gallbladder problems, severe allergic reactions, and thyroid tumor, including cancer in rare cases. And one of the things that I didn't realize until I started researching was that patients who stop taking the drugs often regain the weight. So this is not a short-term solution. This is a long-term solution. It really requires lifestyle changes. It's not just like you said, a quick fix, right? Yes, it can be a quick fix at first, but then in order to maintain that, we're talking about long-term changes. Yeah. And I I hope we can get to it at the like closer to the end of the episode, but there's actually some testimonials where one individual mentions that not only were they taking it for a particular condition, but they also were doing CBT in conjunction with taking it. So obviously when they did go off of Ozambic, the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy also kind of kicked into high gear. So it also changed lifestyle behaviors as well. So, I mean, I think there, 
you know, again, drugs don't fix everything. They can't cure all. So there might be a little bit of a combination of, you know, fixing the mind as well, or, you know, resetting the mind in terms of how you might think about yourself, how you might perceive yourself, or even if you've had a negative interaction, CBT, or, you know, whether it's depression or anxiety, those types of therapies are really helpful as well. But again, like you mentioned, there's side effects, there's side effects to any type of medication. And again, not all y'all can use Ozempic. There are people <laughs> who can't use this drug. So it says Ozempic not, must not be used with patients who have a personal or family history of thyroid cancer, um, have multiple endocrine multiple endocrine neopl uh, neoplasia syndrome type 2, which is also called MEN2. Um, again, this is a rare condition that causes tumors in the thyroid and parathyroid gl glands, adrenal glands, lips, mouth, eyes, and digestive tract. Again, if you're allergic to Ozempic or any of the product ingredients. And again, here's another piece, because I did see a lot of it breastfeeding and being pregnant. It says you should not be using Ozempic during pregnancy and breastfeeding because they don't have studies in these areas. And it says, again, Ozempic is not approved for any individuals less than 18. But again, there's some really startling things where there's actually instances where people are actually trying to buy Ozempic online. For their kids? No, I wouldn't say for their okay, kids. Okay. The thing is, the fact that people are saying it's accessible online, there's a whole scam that has been happening in relation to Ozempic as well. Interesting. And just going back to what you said about the equity piece, I found um, an article that says that in the States, this has a list price of over $1,300 per month. Yikes. So um, we're talking about high costs. These are very high costs. These are not really targeted towards the people that are probably the most vulnerable, that could benefit the most from it. Uh, here in Canada, it most likely is covered. But again, it's just not really something that is, I would say, accessible to the average person that could benefit from it at yeah, this point yeah, i mean because the thing I is do. you have to have a family doctor right i don't believe i don't believe you could walk into a walking clinic and get ozempic no you can't and I'll, I'll kind of circle back to the the whole aspect of the fact that you know there are some issues in relating to scamming online but again like you said you know the injections are quite a, a, a pricey um most private insurance companies and federal health programs do not cover weight loss drugs. Uh, Medicare, which primarily uh, provides health care for people aged over 65, was specific specifically prohibited uh, this law in 2003 of actually covering any weight loss treatments. But then again, in July in the States, the U.S. Congress allowed Medicare to cover weight loss medications again and is pending further action in December. But so but like, I mean, the jury's out. I don't think they're going to get to a point where they're saying we're going to cover it. But I hope I I hope that, you know, they'll say, you know, what, we're going to add obesity as a, as a factor. And, you know, maybe this will help, you know, folks that are under the spectrum as well. But again, it kind of all stems back to where I was talking about. There's like these dangerous alternatives, right? Um, the fact that there were people that were actually, this is actually a Canadian article where there are online scammers taking advantage of increase, the increased demand for Ozempic and they're targeting folks as a convenient way to purchase it. And they're saying that, you know, because everything is out of stock, you can get it from us here really quickly. And then this organization continues to add um, within their website, it directs people to make a payment through a digital wallet, wa sorry, a digital wallet app something a legitimate a pharmaceutical company could do these payments once are made can never get refunded and again although the sites don't ask for prescription they even will give you a virtual visit with a doctor wow right which is crazy because obviously 
it's it's a scam. And again, they plan to send you nothing. They're not going to send you anything. But again, there's there's also dangerous approaches that people are taking in relation to, well, if I can't afford Ozempic, what I what might I do to try to continue to lose weight? And I saw things ranging from um, some TikTok videos that were promoting using laxatives as a cheaper, more accessible alternative to weight loss drugs. And we're calling this this approach budget Ozempic. And some were even saying that these laxatives would help people slim down. But of course, there's no evidence to support any of this. And again, this is that desire for people to be thin. Right? Mm-hmm. All of the mm-hmm. social media, all of the pressures, all of the, you know, the the Barbie, all, all of those things that are making people feel that they need to look a certain way to, to be healthy or to be sexy. And I think it's it's mm-hmm. really concerning. Like this yeah. is a greater conversation that we need to have from a societal standpoint as well. Definitely. And I really think about the bottom line here is that, yes, there are some people that are feeding into the whole um, frenzy about, you know, looking a certain way. And I think, though, there are a lot of people that they just want to be healthy and they have so many barriers to doing so. So I really think that we need governments to create policies to support healthy living through the prevention of obesity, not just medications like Ozempic. Because if you're at the point where everybody wants Ozempic, then I think somehow as a society, we have failed to, you know, create incentives for for people to be healthy. And one of the things I'm thinking is just like more incentives for healthy foods to be sold and, you know, limiting the amount of sugary drinks that can be sold in places like restaurants and cafes, um, having more walkable neighborhoods and accessible public transit in our neck of the woods, there is no public transit. So you're driving everywhere. Um, having bike lanes and more physical activity in schools and jobs with better work-life balance so people can actually work on their fitness goals. Or maybe certain organizations can follow the footsteps of other organizations and even coverage and memberships. So that's a whole other thing. I mean, I've never had anything covered. I know in other industries, it's pretty much a norm. And I think this just highlights the difference between healthcare workers and a lot of other industries that maybe put more emphasis on their employees' well-being. Yeah, I I go back to thinking about the whole idea behind, you know, why people might make make uh, take options that might be unhealthy or or not as he- or not as you know healthy. And I think about like inflation. I think about the oh I don't ding we don't know someone's at the door. Anyways, I kind of think about all of the various different um you know issues that we're having from an economy standpoint. So like when we're talking about purchasing healthy food if uh you know your bag of grapes is 13 bucks i mean that might not be the most healthy choice i'm not really too sure what that is but we're gonna don't worry about that we're gonna keep going (laughs) we're we're gonna keep going (laughs) but i also think that you know um i really want to go back to the point in thinking about the the idea behind obesity and if we are considering it as 2013 as a disease process then we should also think about whether Ozempic might be something that might be helpful. I I think that, yes, you know, lifestyle changes are a part of it, but if there's something that might be able to help support individuals and support them in this way to change your life from a healthy perspective and maybe you give them motivation, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like it might be something that might be worth looking into. Definitely. And I think truthfully, maybe it's a cost issue because the number of people who are becoming overweight and obese is a lot, let's be honest. And my fear is that the government or whoever is in charge will think this is too many people and we can't afford to cover it. Similar to when we we're talking about COVID back in the day and we finally, finally, they admitted it was airborne. 
but they didn't want to say that you needed an N95 because that would have meant everybody needed an N95 and they couldn't support that. So I kind of feel like this is the same. I feel like, I feel like the the piece where, where I was saying earlier was the whole aspect of the fact that, you know, why would they make a drug cheap that or that that can support making healthcare changes to you know a whole population whether it's people with hypertension diabetes heart disease uh, risk of stroke all of these things why would they make a drug like that so accessible when celebrities and people are willing to pay thousands of dollars for it especially in a market like in the states where they're highly popularizing something like this i can't see the fact that a pharmaceutical company is going to be like i'm going to do this out of the, the goodness of my heart and decrease the prices right, and make it accessible right. for everyone just like insulin in the states was like ridiculously expensive until like joe biden was like slash we're going to cut the prices but again th this is just an, a concern that i have there it's like okay if we want to build healthy communities and we're not going to be trying to profiteer off of everything we have to start looking at it from a different perspective and i think that when we're talking about weight loss we're talking about fitness we're talking about all these social media aspects of the beautification of people and when you're putting it in that light then i think again it's now a commodity and we don't want something that should be or is proven as a healthcare aid for in the treatment of obesity and the treatment of diabetes that it's now become a commodity, which mm -hmm. is, I think, always concerning. But there there are some actually really great testimonials or maybe before I get to the testimonials. What do you think about Ozempic? Like, would you recommend? I mean, we we can't we can't prescribe. So don't worry about it, guys. Mm -hmm. We're not we're not doing that. But like, what are your overall thoughts on this whole Ozempic aspect. Um, I think it's like I said, I think it's a useful tool to have, right? In terms of weight loss, it seems like it's really effective for a lot of people. I, I still think it should be part of like a bigger solution. So I don't think relying just on Ozempic for all your weight loss goals should be the thing to do. Like you said, having cognitive behavioral therapy, maybe working with a dietitian, like having a complete plan in place. And this is part of that plan because if there's a shortage, which we have seen already, right. then what's going to happen if you can't get it, right? I always think worst case scenario. So I think it should be part of a bigger plan. And I think it needs, um, you need ongoing support if you're on this. Yeah. And I think the other piece that I'd kind of add in terms of what, like how I think about Ozempic and because a lot of this research has actually changed my mind in terms of trying to understand it a little bit better is one um as with anything it's a drug right there are <laughs> Any, side effects there's always side, there's effects. side effects yeah and again just thinking about you know with, with everything we have whether it's a drug for hypertension or whether it's a drug for weight loss or a drug that's actually going to treat an underlying condition we have measures that we need to use it with discretion um and i think that's important i think this is where it's important to take your medical advice from medical individuals like again at the top of the episode i'm like celebrities to really shut their mouth and we need to start using some discretion that you know maybe celebrities aren't the best people to get this type of information from talk to your physicians talk to your nurse practitioners talk to other folks who have expertise in the area of healthcare mm -hmm. to understand whether ozempic would be something that would work for you i think this is where i again with what i think is we need to exercise discretion. We need to have conversations with healthcare providers and, and find out if it's something that would be beneficial, whether it's uh, an underlying cause, whether it's obesity. Um, and, I, and I said this to Jordan, maybe I'm crazy, but I was like, you know what? If someone had like, again, I'll read some of these testimonials. If someone had these underlying conditions and it might help, I don't think I would knock someone if under a treatment of a physician being watched carefully that I would knock them for trying it. Right, right. 
Let's right. hear some of those testimonies. All right, I got I some hear testimonials. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So the, oh, oh, we're gonna come with the good, <laughs> the bad, and the, you know we are. So I found some of these testimonials. They're off of the Business Insider. I'll we'll post a link for all of these so you can see. And one was by a gentleman named uh, uh, Jacob Brody. He's a 41 year old venture capitalist in New York. And he's like, I've never taken a medication that so that so fundamentally changed my life. He also has type one and type two diabetes. And he said it was kind of like a light switch. Suddenly the weight that he was putting on had been coming off. And many of his other chronic underlying conditions like arthritis and back pain started to improve too. And of course he had less uh, belly fat and it made him easier, to, uh, made it easier for him to do other things as well. Um, the other person that I have a testimonial for um, is someone named Ashley Durham. She's 32 and she started taking a compounded um, form of, uh, Ozempic to treat her polycystic ovarian disease. And I was actually really shocked about this one. So again, polycystic ovarian disease is a hormonal imbalance that can include overproduction of testosterone, affecting insulin control and causing weight gain, painful periods, excess hair growth or infertility. And she said, um, she, in terms of her use, she lost 70 pounds. We'll pull up a picture of her um, within six months, which is that is and that's a lot of weight yeah. in the small a well, short we don't know how much she started at, but still and it says um she no longer struggles with irregular uh irregular periods um and then she also said a net positive was it increased her sex drive i knew you were going <laughs> to say that i knew that's what that positive it for. increased her sex drive well, that's off-label use hey <laughs> hey but you listen man they got stuff out there for men to increase their sex drive if it's gonna help anyways um Another one that I really want to talk about was this nurse, because of course we're nurses, and mm -hmm. I think it's good to kind of, you know, bring a nurse's perspective. So her name is Tara, I'm going to botch her last name, Tara Rothenhofer? Rothenhofer? Where, where are we here? Right here. <laughs> Rothenhofer, yes. Tara yes. Rothenhofer. Um, her older sister died of obesity-related complications in uh, 2018, and she felt that the drug uh, Monjero was a lifesaver. She dropped 342 pounds. She dropped from, sorry, she dropped from. Okay, I was <laughs> wait, wait, wait. She dropped from 342 pounds to 200 pounds. 10 pounds during an 18-month clinical trial sponsored by a, a company after um, a decades-long cycle of unsuccessful dieting and treatments that began when she was 13 years old. Um, she also was struck by the amount of kindness that she was receiving because she was 200 pounds lighter. But she also said that it was a depressing truth. And I think we've read these kind of things before mm -hmm. where it's just like, I, th I think it was a TikTok reel I saw where this woman um, talked about, you know, how she looked and she lost a lot of weight. And this individual was like, Oh, now I would date you. And she's like, so you've known me for all these years. You mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. you love me as an individual, but only because I've lost weight that you date me. And she found it not just depressing, but very disturbing. She said it mm -hmm. was very sad because, you know, at the end of the day, you think that people like you for your personality and love you and care for you for your personality and not just for your physical appearance. So I see exactly what she said. And anyways, uh, back to Tara, she did mention that, um as a registered nurse she oh sorry i'm messing up two stories sorry that is one story the next story is by a registered nurse her name is jeanette uh, simonston and she wanted nothing more to do her job so she was overweight and she said it actually helped her to care for her patients better because <laughs> she's like i was having difficulty walking around mm -hmm. i had difficulty standing i had issues with my back and she's like just the weight loss alone made her a better nurse yeah which i was like 
that's pretty surprising. And of course, there's not so great instances. And I will get Sarah to read a little bit okay. about Blake. Okay, so now we're talking about Blake here, who is a 30 year, 38 year old father of three. He said his life changed forever because he took just two doses um, in late June and July of this year. Um, he wasn't looking for weight loss, but he wanted to control his blood sugar. So after a couple of days, he started to feel sick at work. And before he could make it to the bathroom, he projectile vomited everywhere. Then the vomiting continued nonstop until the next day when he passed out from dehydration in urgent care that he was taken to the emergency room. And after roughly 10 days of tests, he was given a diagnosis of stomach paralysis or gastroparesis. Blake is the main breadwinner in his family, and he took a financial hit when he was on medical leave, having to borrow money for fam from family to pay utility bills for a few months. And sometimes he vomited and, and had diarrhea as a result of his new condition, and it came on so suddenly that he couldn't control his bowels and had to leave work and clean himself up. Yeah. So just imagine like the um, the dignity aspect here. Yeah. Um, and the loss of income, right? Because I believe yeah. like, he had to end up like leaving like leaving his job to deal with this yeah. stomach paralysis and now there is a personal injury law firm that's handling his case and um, they had screened more than 10,000 gastroparesis cases that might be related to this drug and is under current active investigation so I think this just goes to show you that there are ongoing lawsuits related to this medication. So again, there's no perfect medication. They all do have side effects. Really make sure that you are being careful um, before deciding to commit to something like this. Yeah. Um, and the makers of this drug both assert that the slowing down of the stomach is part of how these drugs work. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the product well, labels then. clearly state the risk of delayed gastric emptying. Uh, diabetes can seriously mess with your digestion. It is the most well-known cause of gastroparesis. So that's one story. One last story is from someone named Joni Knight. And she says, I wish I'd never touched it. I wish I'd never heard of it in my life. This medicine made my life hell. It has cost me money, stress, days and nights, and trips with my family. It's cost a lot and it's not worth it. The price is too high. Yeah, I think she also had the same type of uh, stomach paralysis as well and I mean again this is where I said I think it's important that like you're under the guide of the physician there's mm -hmm. those indications and that you know um with anything it's a drug it still is a drug we still have to be mindful so in terms of just some last thoughts I have I think that again make sure that you reach out to your healthcare providers before you start having conversations don't go buying crazy shit online because yeah. That's a bad idea. And again, you know, I think there were actually issues. Uh, we're not going to get into it because I think we're running out of time in relation to overdosing. And I think that was more in terms of people not seeing effects fast enough and them taking more of the Ozempic and then having issues and calling the poison control center. And I saw both in Canada and the U.S. there was a huge uptick in the U.S. that they had noticed. Again, Canada does a poor and abysmal job of collecting statistics. But again, in the U.S. they said that they were receiving a lot of poison control calls and they were saying that they... It was all is all related to misuse. Um, and again, that they think the numbers were quite underreported. We'll pull up the 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 diagram here as well so you could take a quick look. But again, I think again, when we're we're talking about any medication, first thing, don't get your advice from a celebrity. It's a bad idea. <laughs> 
And don't just Google it and accept what you find from Google as your final answer. Make sure you're talking to reputable sources. Talk to multiple different people. Maybe even if you've reached out to a healthcare professional, get a second opinion because this is a really big decision. And as we said, if you stop this medication, you can regain the weight. So you really need to have other tools at your disposal if the medication is no longer an option for you or it's not available due to a shortage. Yeah. And make sure you speak to your healthcare provider. So whether that's a physician, a nurse practitioner, whomever that is within your care circle to make sure that this is the right type of drug for you. Again, I I, I want to go back to the conversation about body image and how hard we are, mm-hmm. not just as women, but as a society on body image. And I think we really need to start having huge conversations about not what is beautiful, but what is healthy. And there are so many different shapes and sizes of women and men too, because men do have body image issues as well. That also the the main factor we should be talking about is whether you're healthy, whether you're happy, whether you're satisfied in your life, not necessarily what someone else might think about how you look in a dress or a particular shirt. So let's start having better conversations. It's about having a healthy mindset rather than a skinny body. Right. And let's refrain from commenting on people's weight or body size. Right. (laughs) If you if you want to comment on someone, maybe talk about something they've done and not necessarily how they look. It starts early and it really can mess with your mind. 100 percent. Stop trolling people. I mean, we know who you folks are out there making these stupid comments about people, women's bodies when, you know, it's our bodies are none of your business and you need to keep those stupid comments to yourself because I'm I'm saying stupid because I don't swear too much. But at the end of the day, I think um, trolls will always be out there. Absolutely. And the, and I think what we do as a society is continue to collectively, one, to call them out and two, to start talking and having better ideas and images, not necessarily images, but just better conversations about what healthy body or mindset actually looks like. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, make sure that you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching us on YouTube. And don't forget about our book coming out in just a couple months. Thanks so much and take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Gritty Nurse Podcast. If you have any suggestions or want to hear a specific topic, email us at grittynurses at gmail.com. That's grittynurses at gmail.com. We are also speakers and upcoming authors available for engagements related to advocacy, nursing, mental health, and health policy. Please connect with us.